0: Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name's John, I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live but we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Well, sometimes life is just too ordinary, right? And you got you to gotta make it a little bit more, more fun, a little bit more extraordinary. So welcome to Cross Creek. My name's John. I'm the lead pastor here. And we are just glad that you are, you're here with us, uh, whether you're, you're sitting here right now or whether you're watching online. Thanks for watching wherever you are. Thanks for joining us. And uh, one thing kind of before we get started that I want you to know about Cross Creek, whether you've been here a uh, hundred times. Yes, we've had a hundred services, I think. And, or whether this is your first time, uh, we're a church for people who don't normally go to church. That's kind of what we designed this whole thing for. And so with that, there's, there's two things I want you to know. First of all, if this is your first time, you're, you're new, we want to give you a gift. We believe God loves to give, and we want to give as well. And so uh, in the seat in front of you is a card. It's a red card, and it says, Welcome. You fill that out with some really easy information about yourself, and then after the service, you can go to the lobby, and there's a table that has a big sign that says, Info. You give that card to the person at the info table, and we will give you a free gift. Just our thank you for uh, letting us get to know you a little bit. And then uh, the other thing I want you to know is that we are a church that loves to ask questions. We're a church that loves to explore doubts. And so we want you to feel safe to ask questions and explore doubts and say, you know, so you said that, but so what about this? What about that? And we want to answer your so what about questions. And that's why uh, on our Connect card, that's the blue... Yeah, the blue card that's there in front of you. It has a little box that you could say, I have a so what about question. And you mark that box and then on the back of the card you can write whatever question you have. And hopefully uh, we'll be able to maybe provide you with an answer or maybe just kind of further the conversation. Hey, like, hey, have you thought of that? And you can do that online also where it says ask a question. So all of that to say, welcome to Cross Creek. I'm glad you're here. Do you know that next week is our Christmas service? Yeah, that's pretty exciting. And that we still have some invitation, some handmade invitations that you could give to friends to invite them to our Christmas service next week. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, Yeah, I love fake excitement. That's like what I'm all about. (laughs) So uh, how many of you have been, for us this last week, but how many of you have been really busy with like Christmas programs or Christmas shopping and that kind of stuff? Seven of you. Awesome. This last week, we were super busy. We had um, our our first graders Christmas program, he was a little sheep. It was stinking adorable. I should've put the pictures up there so you guys would like me better. But um, I have adorable kids. And so our first grader was this little sheep and he had the ears and stuff and he was just so proud of dressing up. And then um, the day after that was our now five-year-old's birthday. And that was super fun. He had like a Star Wars cake and stuff. And then the next, oh, and that day also for his preschool, I got to dress up as a shepherd. And I was the mystery guest. And I got to tell the story of, of uh, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and all that. And that was great. And my, you could see my five-year-old kind of be like, is that dad? I can't, I can't tell. So that was fun. And then the next day was his Christmas program. And he got to be a, an angel. And he was all proud of his little halo thing and dressing up. And isn't it cool how like, kids love dressing up? Like I don't know what it is. I, I, I guess if they made, they do make adult costumes. That's why cosplay is so... So, cool, right? Because adults get to dress up. Those of you who know what cosplay is, if you don't, I've never done it, but I know people, I have friends. Anyway. <laughs> but dressing up, it's, it's fun, you know? And my kids, like, they love Star Wars, and so they always dress up Star Wars. My daughter found this weird Canadian cartoon called Fireman Sam, if you've ever heard of it. So now she dresses up as, a, as, a, as Fireman Sam, and last night, going to bed, she said, Dad, she's uh, three almost four, she said, Dad, when, when I grow up and I'm a fireman, I'm going to love you more than I love my toys. I was like, oh, that's sweet. But they love dressing up as like Jedi or stormtroopers or firemen. They never dress up as a pastor. It's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of sad to me. I'm like, well, it's an exciting job. You get to like sit in an office and study and pray with people and maybe, I get it, but I guess, I get why they don't dress up. But it is exciting. Um, what, as a kid, what did you dress up as? Don't answer. I don't... I kind of care. But what did you dress up as? I bet, and no offense if this is your... But I bet most of us didn't dress up as accountants. Right? You, most likely, unless, you know, you, you got your dream, most likely you didn't dress up as the job you have now. As the role you play now. And... I think for some of us, that's kind of like, oh yeah, that would have been, you know, that was fun to be a kid and pretend. And now life is just ordinary. And that kind of brings us down because nobody wants to be ordinary. If you really think about it, nobody really wants to be ordinary. Just have a plain old life like everyone else, day in, day out, doing the same old thing every day. I mean, if you don't believe me, Check your friends' social media posts. Not yours, because you're always like 100% truthful with your social media posts, right? But check your friends' social media posts. How many posts do they make about just their ordinary routine day? Here's, you know, here's, here's another picture of me checking Facebook for the 12th time this morning. Never do that. It's always like those, those special things, right? Every once in a while you get the, hey, I'm just being real, and like the... They're, have you seen the post where like people are pretending to take a nap on the couch? And you're like, well, then how did you get the picture? Right? Oh, I'm so tired. But we, we always want to do something a little bit more than the ordinary. I think that's why many of us resisted or maybe still resists uh, if, we, if we're in that stage, the minivan. Right? We don't want to look just like everyone else. Uh, so, you know, up here in the Pacific Northwest, we're proud of that whole keep Portland or keep Oregon weird thing, because we like to be different. We like to not be ordinary. And I, that's a normal desire. And I think it comes, one of the reasons I, I think we have that desire is because we want to know we're special. We want to know that we matter. We want to know that we're just not another face in the crowd. Even if, you know, you're an introvert, you're like, well, I don't want, I don't want people to see me. I don't want attention. You still want to be known, right? If you're an introvert, that's why you hate the chit-chat, small-talk stuff. Because nobody's actually getting to know each other. Because it's, it feels like a waste of time. Just extroverts, just so you know, it feels like a waste of time, the chit-chat thing. Because we want to get to the deep stuff. We want to be known, and we want to know you. Everyone wants to be known. To have the real us scene. To know that we're not just ordinary, to know that our life and our existence has some kind of meaning, to know that we're valued, to know that we're appreciated, to know that we're accepted. There's something deep down in us that it's, it's kind of hard to, to really put our fingers on, but it's, it's there. We don't want to be ordinary. And so for the last two weeks, we've been talking about the ordinary life. We're in part three of, of the series called Out of the Ordinary. It's the last part. We're going to wrap it up today. But what we've seen is that really, with God, and we looked at this with uh, the angel coming to Mary, how uh, with God, the, the ordinary life and the extraordinary really are always there together. They're, they're hand in hand. You have, you have the extraordinary events and the, and the ordinary events just, just kind of going together every day. But God uses our ordinary, our ordinary life, our ordinary responsibilities, our ordinary choices, really to bring about extraordinary things that he has planned for us. Extraordinary things that he's he's been working behind the scenes to bring. And all of this really points to and it all really hinges on what we're going to talk about tonight. And to, to talk about it tonight, we're going to look at probably some of the most ordinary people in the history of the world. Some of the most ordinary, maybe faceless people ever to exist. We're going to talk about ancient Middle Eastern shepherds. That's exciting. It's going to get great. Don't worry. But here's what we're going to discover. We're going to discover that the the true story of Jesus' birth is proof that there really is no such thing as an ordinary life. There really is no such thing as an ordinary life. The whole life as ordinary is actually a myth. And so to look at that, to to look at these ancient Middle Eastern shepherds, we're going to go to the, the historical account of Luke. We call it the Gospel of Luke. Really, what it is is Luke was this uh, a a doctor of some sort that traveled around with the Apostle Paul as as Paul went and planted churches around the ancient Mediterranean area, and he was his he was Luke Paul's companion. And what Luke got to do was meet a lot of the eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, and he interviewed them and he wrote it down in an orderly account that really matches how most uh, ancient historians would write. It's one of the, actually, if, if you take it just out of the Bible and look at it as history, it's one of the most accurate historical, ancient historical documents we have. So what he did, he, he got eyewitnesses' accounts and wrote it down and put it in what we call the Gospel of Luke. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. And what we looked at before, kind of give you a little bit of background of where we're going now, is uh, we, we, last week we looked at the very well-known story of Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem. and having baby Jesus, right? And we we make it so special and like, you know, Mary sitting on the donkey, all graceful and sweet. But what it really was was a 10-day journey of a super-pregnant lady riding on a donkey in a caravan, which just sounds terrible, right? We try to make it all fancy and stuff, try to make it not so ordinary, but it was. It was just ordinary. And so Luke picks up the story, kind of changes scenes a little bit, and he goes and talks about... The shepherds. Which when your kids dress up as shepherds in Christmas, it's so stinking cute. These shepherds weren't very cute. Anyway. So here's where here's where Luke starts. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Many of us have heard this story. If you've heard it, if you grew up in church or you, maybe just, you know, you're an American, you, you know the Christmas story. Let's try to look at it a little bit differently tonight. The the shepherds, we have them as like these, these little chubby children, right? And they're just so clean and their clothes are nice with the little head thing and the little staff. These are not cute shepherds. These are just ordinary people, ordinary men, nothing fancy about them. They're not cute. Nobody would put them on a Christmas card. In fact, if you sent somebody a Christmas card with an ancient Middle Eastern shepherd on it, they'd be like, why do you hate me? Right? I, can't, I can't unsee that. Thank you for nothing. But these shepherds, day in, day out, doing the same thing over and over and over, doing the same thing their father had done their grandfather had done their great grandfather had done in the same place in the same town in the same field for thousands of years in fact we know that they were doing they're watching sheep in those fields for thousands of years because king david david and goliath guy he starts out we see him first in history as a shepherd in the fields in bethlehem a thousand years before this story same thing day after day after day usually it was the youngest son in the family who got got to watch the sheep. No hope of advancement. There's no raise for being a really good shepherd. There's just, "Hey, good job. You stink. Go sleep outside." <laughs> Not a lot of purpose to life for a shepherd whose whole job is to watch sheep. Sheep don't really, I don't know if you know, sheep don't really change the world. Right? There's no like hopes and dreams that, you know, this I'm going to raise these sheep that's going to make it. No, it's just Shave them for wool, eat them for stew. I don't, I've never had sheep stew, but I would assume that's what you do with a sheep. Just, so these guys are just plain, ordinary, hard-working men taking care of their families. What's interesting is if you read the biblical accounts, these are usually the types of people that God loves to use. And so we're going to look a little bit more about what happens. So just regular, it's, it's a typical night sleeping out in the field with their sheep. Is it December 25th? Probably not. But here's what happens. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. If you're skeptical about the angel thing, we'll talk about it in a second. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Wouldn't you be? Terrified, right? Here's my my thinking of how that might have gone is... Like, why are they terrified? First of all, I mean, nobody expects the angel, right? But these are just normal guys hanging around a campfire after a hard day working with other normal guys. I'm guessing one of the reasons they're terrified that the angel of the Lord shows up to them is they probably just got finished telling the type of joke that a guy hanging out with a bunch of guys just told, right? So they're like, ha, 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 if you know what I mean, poosh, angel oh crap. (laughs) God didn't like that joke very much. They probably think they're in trouble, right? What's interesting is whenever an angel shows up, everyone is always terrified. So we know they're not those cute little baby things, right? So I don't know what an angel looks like. I've never seen one, but apparently they're terrifying. The story goes on. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts, like a whole bunch of angels, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom... His favor rests. It's a very familiar story, but it's just so weird. This is a weird story. I mean, the... One of the weird things is the fact that Luke, the ancient historian, starts his account by saying, everything I'm about to tell you actually happened. This all took place in, in the lifetime of the people I've talked to. I investigated, investigated it. In fact, he does not start his story by saying once upon a time. He actually put it in history, put it within a framework of dates. He says, this is all happened. This is all historical fact. And a whole bunch of angels showed up to shepherds in the middle of nowhere. Like, it's so weird. He tries to he sets it up as, as fact, and then he brings in these these angels. And if that doesn't weird to you, it, maybe you've heard it too many times. And I won't get into this whole are there angels? Aren't there angels? The reason I personally believe there are angels is because Jesus believed that there were angels. There are angels, and as you know, we like to say, if somebody can predict their death and resurrection, and then pull it off. I'm pretty much going to believe everything they say about the world I can't see because they've seen it. So I believe there's angels because Jesus believed they're angels. If you don't believe there are angels, that's okay. You can still be a part of what we're doing here. So if there really were, were angels and they were telling the truth, which they're angels, why would they lie? Then this story is still really weird. They say, we, we're bringing you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And to these ancient Jewish shepherds' ears, it probably meant in their mind, you know, all the Jewish people, but really, they're saying for the entire world, all of humanity, we're bringing good news for all of humanity. Now, if that's the case, why did they show up in the middle of nowhere to a bunch of Nobodies. Like, why not show up to everyone? If this is good news for everyone, why not show up to everyone? Why just these few shepherds? And they say, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the promised one of the Jewish nation, the Lord God, is born. Like, this is the culmination of the promise God made to their their forefather, Abraham, that he, the promise he gave their founding father, the whole point of their nation, the whole point of their religion has just happened. Why not announce it to the priests in the temple in the capital of Jerusalem? Why not the religious leaders who had all of the Jewish scriptures memorized? If this is the culmination of the entire religion, why are they announcing it to, to these shepherds? Who probably, because of... Um, their, their cleanliness laws weren't allowed to really even go to the temple. It's a promised king, the descendant of the great King David. Why not appear to the king, Herod, and say, hey, buddy, your time's up. Why not, why not appear to Caesar Augustus, the guy who's controlling the whole known world at the time, and say, hey, There is a God, and guess what? You're not him. He was born in Bethlehem, or at least the the pagan emperor that's controlling the Jewish people, ruling over the God's chosen people. Why appear, why not appear to them? Why are angels appearing to these nobodies in the middle of nowhere? And, and it's not like God had other angels, other places telling you know, other people about what was going on. He's like, oh, those shepherds look bored. I'll throw them a bone and just kind of let them in on the story. Like, he brings this huge army of angels singing glory to God, telling the, the story of pe- the peace between God and humanity, the whole point of Jesus coming to earth, the central point of human history, and it's all done for a group of nobodies, doing nothing. It doesn't make sense. Why did these angels appear to these shepherds? Well, first of all, I've, I had to think through it. I kind of came up with four ideas. You don't have to write them all down. There won't be a quiz. But first of all, for some reason, it seems God has a soft spot for shepherds. God has a soft, soft spot for the way these types of guys work and think And, I mean, God describes himself all the time in the Jewish scriptures as a shepherd. He he liked to use shepherds to lead his chosen people. Moses was a shepherd. As I said earlier, King David was a shepherd. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. There's something about the way these shepherds took care of their sheep, the way they thought, the way they were kind of no-nonsense, that God really has a soft spot for shepherds. So maybe that's why. I like shepherds, I'm gonna appear, I'm gonna have all these angels appear to shepherds. Second, who would you rather have a party with? A bunch of snooty, self righteous religious leaders. That sounds like a good time. Some self important, narcissistic, power hungry politicians. There's a good party. Or just some good old down to earth shepherds. Exactly. You would rather have a party with the shepherds. They know how to party. And the thing is, God likes to party with people who like to party. It's a theological fact. <laughs> Read the Gospels, the story of Jesus' life. Who's he having parties with? People who know how to party. So maybe, that, maybe that's one of the reasons. Maybe another one. Who, who would be more open to listening and receiving this good news of a Savior King? The religious leaders who thought their rules and, in fact, they were the answer and the true religion for the Jewish people. Roman rulers who thought they were the most important thing in the world. Or simple shepherds who didn't really have an ego to get in the way of hearing this amazing news of God saving the world. Possibly. But my, my, my main idea why he would send... The angels to the shepherds? Why he would send these angels to these nobodies that nobody cared about? Because they aren't just ordinary nobodies. See, to everyone else, there is absolutely nothing extraordinary about these shepherds. And they probably saw themselves as just nothing special, just completely ordinary, doing what I've always done, doing what my father always did. Nothing special about them. But to God... They are extremely important and extremely valuable. In fact, everything the angels talked about in their message was for these shepherds, was for them. In fact, here's here's what they say. Today in the town of David, Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. This is all for you. I'm doing all of this for people like you. He is the Messiah, the promised one. He is the Lord, God loved these people so much, people like these shepherds so much that He was make, making a way for them to know Him. Like God saying, "Look, shepherds, you might think you're nobody. You might think that you're just some faceless thing in, in the fields, but I know you. I see you. I love you. So I've done something for you. And here's what it means. And I know it sounds too good to be true. And so, here's how you'll know it's true. You'll see a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And so, the story goes on. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds went back to sleep because it was no big deal. The shepherds said to one another, one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the mangers. Don't change it yet. Just a little side note. Isn't it interesting that this ancient Middle Eastern historian writer puts Mary's name first? Who do you think is giving him all this inside information, this eyewitness account? And he always tells the story from Mary's perspective. Interesting. All right. personally see these shepherds know who they were know where they were what they were doing not only did he tell them what he was doing and why it was important he actually gave them an extraordinary purpose too god used them to encourage joseph and mary right to, to say hey this baby we were just told about this baby by like a billion angels I'm guessing at this point, living or having to be in a cave with their baby in a manger, they're probably feeling a little discouraged, right? They're probably maybe having some doubts that maybe this isn't what was supposed to be. And I'm guessing they're starting to realize they're going to be sleep deprived for the next few months. So, God used them to encourage Mary and Joseph. But he also used them to be the first people to tell about the importance and meaning of of Jesus being born. And everyone who heard it was amazed, was maybe starting to hope that this is actually true, that, that God hasn't forgotten about Israel, that God has, even though the Romans have taken over, there actually is hope. God used them to change lives and actually begin a process that has changed the world, telling people, that God actually loves them and has done something for them. That doesn't sound very ordinary to me, does it? To be used to tell others about the history-changing and life-changing truth about who that baby really was? Like, think about it. Like, ordinary shepherds? How ordinary could they be if the God who created the universe knew who they were? Like, took the effort to let them know that he sees them. That he, the God of the universe, made a point to tell them he is for them. And he actually gave them a personal mission, which, you know, just happens to be the most important mission anyone could ever have, telling people about how to have a full and purposeful life now and forever. Like, think about it. That's like getting a phone call from your favorite president, whichever one that is, whichever one you would be excited to talk to, and not just to tell him where to go, but you get a phone call from your favorite president, and he invites you to the White House as his special guest. And he sits you down in the Oval Office, and he says, I have a mission for you that will save humanity, and you're the only one that can do it. That's pretty extraordinary. That's what this is like. That's anything but ordinary. See? See? with god there is no ordinary see you might think you're ordinary you don't want to be but you feel like you've just kind of ended up ordinary right you're you're just a mom you're you're just a kid you're just a bookkeeper just just a teacher just an insurance agent just a pastor Just how everyone thought these shepherds were just shepherds. Even the shepherds thought they were just shepherds. Everyone thought they were just shepherds, except God. See, the first Christmas proves that you are more than just a, just a. Christmas proves that you, yourself, personally, are more than just a, just a. You are more than what what you do for a living. You are more than what your responsibilities are. You are more than what what role you're playing right now in life. See, you're more than that. Here's the thing. You are known. You are known by the God who created every single star. You are known by the God who who knows exactly how how every animal was made, how every species came about, how how all of physics works, because he he made the laws of physics. That is the God that knows you. It's not a, you know, oh yeah, you know, I know they exist. Right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, there, there there's a Steve out there and you know he, he lives in Salem and he's an alright dude. Like, often that's how I would, growing up, I, I don't know why I would think this, but just kind of feel like, you know, God's kind of, he's doing his thing, I'm doing mine. We're neighbors. He knows I'm there. But he's not, like, involved in my life. He doesn't, like, know every thought. And that's not true. He knows everything about you. He is involved intimately in your life. He, he knows you more than your spouse knows you. He knows you more than your best friend knows you. He knows you more than you know you. When you, when you get that feeling, you're like, why do I feel this way? He knows. You are known. In fact, here's, here's what Jesus said. He said, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? I don't know if that's still true. I think they're more expensive now. Are two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very heads, very hairs of your head are all numbered. For my father-in-law, it's not that hard to do. He's bald. Anyway, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. How many? A lot. He knows you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. So think about it. The world might not ever know your name. You might not be the most famous person. You might not get more than 1,000 followers on Facebook. The world might never know your name, but the God who made the world... Calls you by name. He knows you. You are known. He is involved in your life. That, that that hope you have for whatever it is, that longing you have, he knows it. That anger you have for what, what they did to you, he knows it. That sadness you feel for, for the dreams you used to have that you, you haven't fulfilled, He knows it. Not only does he know it, but he loves you because you are infinitely valuable. You are infinitely valuable. You know how I know that? Because God loves you. There's proof. He wants a relationship with you not like, you know, Jesus is my boyfriend relationship, but like where you know him so well that no matter what's going on in life, you can trust him. You can have peace. You can know that he's taking care of you because you know his personality. He wants to have a relationship with you that that could start today and last forever. He wants it so much that he made it a free gift that we can't earn. There's nothing we can do to earn a relationship with God. He just wants to give it to us. It's a free gift. We can't earn it. But we also don't deserve it. See, I mean, think about it. Do you deserve, I'm not trying to put you down, but do you deserve that type of relationship with God? God who created the world? Holy God who is all love? Do you deserve that kind of relationship? You don't. You know why? Don't leave, but you're a sinner. You sin. Oh, that's a horrible word. Don't use it. I thought this was cross creek. Well, what do you call it? It's, it's not a mistake because you did it on purpose, right? It's, it's worse than that. It's a sin. I've never sinned. Well, here's what Jesus said. The two laws of God are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Have you ever hurt somebody because you said what I want is more important than you? that ever happened have you ever been selfish that's sin that's hurting god's child that separates us from a perfectly loving god if somebody hurts my kid there's a separation of relationship there right i'm not going to i'm not going to be a fan of theirs too much so god loves us and wants us to be with him wants us to have a relationship with him now and forever but we're separated. There's this separation between us and God because, because of our sin, and God loves us. He wants to be with us, but he is a just king. He must punish that sin, right? If people say, you know, why why doesn't God do anything about about evil in the world, about, about people being hurt? Why doesn't God destroy sin? Well, who's making that sin happen? I am. You are. If God was going to destroy all the evil, destroy all the sin, he'd have to destroy us. So he loves us and wants to be with us, but he also has to destroy sin. So there's a problem. And that's where Christmas comes in. He fixed the problem on Christmas with Jesus, who was 100% human, a baby of Mary, but also 100% God, God in a body. And he came as a baby in Bethlehem, in a manger. And he lived a perfect life, a perfectly loving life, a life of showing us who God really is. If you you looked at Jesus' life, you would know God's personality. You would know who God is because he was God. What he said were God's words. The way he loved was how God loves. The people he accepted are the people God accepts. He lived a perfect life. And then he died on the cross to pay that penalty, to destroy sin, to pay the penalty we deserved because of the hurt that we've caused. He died to pay for that, but he didn't stay dead. Otherwise, it would be kind of a lame story. He came back to life after three days. He said, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise, and he did, and he pulled it off, proving that he was God and proving that sin was defeated forever and that we can have that relationship that he wants with us that deep down we all want, We can have that not by obeying all the rules because we're always going to break the rules, not by trying to outweigh our bad with our good because the bad is still there, but simply by trusting. Right? The basis of every relationship trust. Trusting that Jesus is who he said he was and that he did what he said he did, that he was God and he did die to make a way for us to have a relationship with him. Simple trust. You are infinitely valuable. You know how I know? Because worth is determined by how much someone is willing to pay. Worth is determined by how much someone is willing to pay. Well, how much is that worth? Well, how much are you willing to pay? Right? How much was God willing to pay for you? With his life, with everything, you are infinitely valuable to God. He knows you. You are valuable to him. But you're not just like this little pet of his that he kind of brushes the hair and gets the nails done at the right pet salon. You're not just this little thing that he loves and he values. No, he has a purpose for you. Your life has a purpose. You're not just a justa. Your life has purpose, a purpose that is so much bigger than you. A purpose so much bigger than you than you could imagine. And you say, "Well, what is my purpose?" Well, I think finding it starts with two questions. We've talked about this. What does trust look like? What does love look like? If you can answer those questions, you're on your way to finding your purpose. What does does trusting God in everything look like? And what does loving my neighbor as myself look like? Not just pie-in-the-sky idea, but right now, in this argument with my spouse, what does love look like? Look like? Does it look like me winning? Or does it look like me dying to myself and choosing them over what I want? Your life has a purpose. And the thing is, the extraordinary, we all have an extraordinary purpose, but the extraordinary usually looks pretty ordinary at first glance. The extraordinary usually looks pretty ordinary. At first glance, when we first see it, we say, Well, that's that's nothing special. That's just every day. You want to know the most extraordinary people in this building right now? It's not the short guy with a microphone, right? It's not the tall guy who can sing like an angel, right? It's It's not even the bearded guy with the violin who does things that we can't even imagine. The most extraordinary people in this building right now are not in this room. They're with the kids, right? They're they're changing your kid's diaper, maybe. They're telling them, hey, you want to see God? Look at Jesus. That's who God is. That looks pretty ordinary. That's something maybe some of us wouldn't, on the surface, be wanting to do. But that is the most extraordinary thing happening right now. They are changing lives forever. They are telling kids who are trying to understand the world that no matter what happens, God loves you. That's extraordinary. And if you're a Jesus follower, you also have an extraordinary purpose. And your, your, your purpose is telling others, sharing with others that God loves them, that God loves them so much that he died for them. Of the, your purpose, one of your main purposes, is, is telling others what Jesus did and why he did it. Showing it with your life, obviously. Also, using words. Telling them, Jesus died for you because he loves you. You are known. You are infinitely valuable, and your life has a purpose. Nobody wants to be ordinary. And the good news is, with Jesus, there's no such thing as ordinary. So let me ask you a question. If God sent an angel to you tonight just one. You don't, you don't get the whole host. But if God sent an angel to you tonight and said, God knows your name, Jason. God knows your name. And God says to you, I know you. And I am on the edge of my seat watching your life like you watch your kids' games. You are worth more to me than every star in the universe. And I made you on purpose for a purpose. And I am cheering you on as you take every step, every daily step in fulfilling that purpose. If the angel told you that, would your day tomorrow be any different than it was yesterday? Would you talk to your spouse differently? Would you handle your kids' moods and choices differently? Would you go about your work or your responsibilities any differently than you did last week? Would you use your time differently? See, that's the point of Christmas, That in the most ordinary of places, the ancient Middle East, surrounded by the most ordinary of circumstances and using the most ordinary people, God broke into our world and brought us the most extraordinary gift. Jesus. Proof that God sees us. And he loves us. And he is for us. And he gave us the ability to break out of our ordinary and have a life of being known, of being valued, and having a life of, of, of real life, having a world-changing, life-changing purpose. Let's start simply by enjoying a relationship with him that, like I said, is, is began as every relationship, trust. Trust that he is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. So really the the whole point of this Out of the Ordinary series is this. Because of Jesus, ordinary life never has to be ordinary again. Because of Jesus, ordinary life never has to be ordinary again. You never have to be just a justa again. Because you are known, you are valued, and you have a purpose. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, it's, it's almost, it, it feels too good to be true. It, it, it's, I think it's why we need constant reminding that you know us, that you, you are involved in our lives, you, you understand what's going on, you are in it with us. You know us, you value us, even though we don't deserve it, we are your most precious creation, and that you actually have a purpose for our life. There's not just... A routine. There's not just you know random acts of randomness. You have a purpose for our, our every waking day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending us, Jesus, to show us that you are for us, to die for us, and to give us a new life in you. Give us the courage to see it. Give us the, um, the awareness to know that you are working in our lives. And show us how we can be like you and love others as we love ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, our Christmas service. Be here. You can dress any way you want, but if you want to wear your Christmas dress, go for it. Guys, don't, well, whatever you want. Anyway, (laughs) hope you have a great week. Hope to see you next week. And go love somebody. See you later.